And we're back on the Big Wake Up Call, AM 1280, WBIG. I'm Ryan Gatenby. It's time for my next guest. He's been fighting cyber criminals for more than 20 years. He's the author of a new book, The Cyber Attack Survival Manual, From Identity Theft to the Digital Apocalypse and Everything in Between. And we're going to visit with uh, Nick Selby. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Ryan. Well, Nick, I appreciate you calling in today. And uh, and I found your book very informative and uh, and also a little bit frightening, but there's hope. You're, you give us hope for, for, for fighting these attacks. How, how do you do it? It's a new threat. It's a new breach every day. How do you keep up with it, and how do you manage to stay on top of things? Well, you know, I and I we didn't try to scare people. We, we I understand some of it can be rather sobering. Yeah. Um, you know, the way I do it is I actually, when I look at the threats out there, I'm not looking at the specifics. What I am looking at is how does somebody make money at this? Uh-huh. And if I can understand that, I can I can think about it enough to, to learn how to protect myself from it. I think we, we all think of cybercrime as something that happens to somebody else, something that's faceless and nameless and sort of out there. But if we really focus on why these criminals do it to make money, suddenly it becomes a lot more understandable. And then we can take steps. Everything basically comes down to follow the money, doesn't it? It really does. And there's a lot of money to be had in cybercrime. People, I think people think of a kid in their basement. Um, you know, cybercrime cyber is, is a big business. There's, there are uh, groups out there, organizations, that actually run themselves like companies. Um, and they, they make a lot of money. And when I say a lot, I mean we're talking about billions of dollars a year. And the tactics and techniques that they're using are the same tactics and techniques that are being used by foreign governments when they attack our government to steal information or mess with our elections or even to break into our corporate headquarters and steal intellectual property. I think that's what, uh, and, and I don't know, maybe we just have this perception of, uh, of bad uh, internet-related movies from the 90s, where you're right, it's some kid in the, in the basement goofing around, but uh, we're not talking kids in the basement when, when a company like uh, Equifax is breached, and that's not like getting a hold of, oh, the, your Target store credit card has been compromised. This is the identity of basically everyone in America with a credit report. It is. And and if you think about that target thing, well, those millions of credit cards actually made their way out into the criminal underground networks on the Internet. They were sold. People, criminal groups bought them and they used the stolen credit cards to buy things that we then that they then turned into cash. I mean, it was it was more than just a single credit card. These are these are very sophisticated groups and they're targeting America's biggest companies. You probably hear from a lot of people, well, identity theft, why would someone want to steal my identity? I'm nobody, I don't have anything, but, uh, but that couldn't be more wrong. That is the best question, yes, and it's so true. A lot of us are like, oh, you know, I just have my cat pictures on my computer or my phone. And, you know, the criminals are less interested in, in you and your stuff than they are in the commodities that you bring. If you bring an identity, that's an opportunity to get credit to get to make money. If you bring a computer connected to the internet, there are, as we speak, millions of computers that are exploited by malware that are being rented right now as we're speaking by criminal gangs to other criminals who want to use the power of a totally anonymous botnet to go out and commit even more cybercrimes. Okay, the botnet. Now, a lot of us have heard about the dark web. That's been referenced in the news. Is that what we're talking about? What is the dark web? The dark web is a uh, it's a it's a network of computers that was actually originally designed by uh, the United States Navy uh, so that their people could go out and browse the web anonymously. 
and they've turned this over just like the internet itself they've turned it over to the public and the dark web is really a place on which uh you know it's 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 on the internet but you need special software and a special browser to get to it okay. and when you're in dark web sites you have a an identity that is very very difficult to track not impossible but it's very very hard so criminals use the dark web to communicate to buy and sell information to buy and sell stolen credit cards and uh, it's it's sort of a a, a core part of the way people make money through cybercrime now don't get me wrong the dark web is also used for legitimate purposes. For example, reporters speak to their sources or people who simply want to remain anonymous and not be eavesdropped upon by the government. So as, as with almost everything on the Internet, it's a double-edged sword. Okay, I didn't know that. I just learned there were good things about the dark web, so that's, that's good. But basically, I don't want to be messing around on there if I don't know what I'm doing. Well, you know, it, there's, there, there are a lot of things. If you, if you take a look at Tor, the Tor browser, uh, you can see some of the things that are out there. And, and actually, there's some really, really cool things out there. One of the things that we try to do in the book is not scare people and let them understand that, that you know, as I just said, everything out there, there's a good side and there's a bad side. Yeah. We want to take advantage of all these great innovations. We want to take advantage of all the convenience and, and really cool stuff that's out there. We just have to understand the risks that doing that present to us and to our security posture. With all of the technology out there, and you talk about, you know, uh, huge operations trying to, to steal identities and, and hack elections, I think it's kind of quaint that at least once a week I get a phone call claiming to be from uh, Microsoft and they need access to my computer. I, I, I imagine this, they, they keep doing it because there's enough people that fall for it that they're making money off of it. Yes, like most of the things that most of the sort of lower level cyber crimes, things that hit people in in the community where I serve as a, as a police detective. Yes, there are these these are large volume plays where if they get one percent of the people to go along with it, they actually make a very good living. We had a a case very recently in our city where a woman lost about seventy five hundred dollars to this, and it's you know to these people, and they're usually a little bit older, they're usually a little bit less computer savvy. To those people. It's a lot of money, but more important, it, it shakes their trust in something that they need to use every single day. So what are some basic things? What would you say? What's the number one thing we could do right now to, to protect ourselves online, to protect ourselves from, uh, from identity theft? I, I think by far the, the number one thing that we can do is understand that the phones we carry are more powerful and connected faster to the Internet than anything that we used in our office in the 1990s and the early 2000s. Our phones are really an overlooked vulnerability. And the most important thing about our phone is that we have to turn off Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and near field when we're not using them. And the reason for this is that criminals are actually out there taking advantage of the people who leave these services on for the convenience. So rather than just doing a swipe and a tap and turning it off when you're not using it, they are running services out there that want to connect to those phones. And when, when they do, they end up doing really bad things to our devices. So if there's, if there's one thing that you're going to do today other than just running anti-malware and all your security patches, turn off the Wi-Fi on your phone, turn off the Bluetooth on your phone until you actually need it. As you were saying that, I grabbed my phone and did that. I never thought about that. Can I, <laughs> can I leave it in airplane mode? Am I safe there? So security is, uh, it involves availability. It's not secure if it's off. You have yeah. to be able to, to have confidentiality, integrity, and availability. So now, I think you leave it on, but hey, just take some simple steps, and you can enjoy all the great stuff that your, that your mobile devices have to offer. 
And then uh, finally, Nick, you have a section in the book. It's called uh, Home Sweet Cyber Home, and it's kind of a sobering uh, list of all of our home gadgets and and how much we're hooked up to the Internet. I'm not sure how much I can or should say on uh, morning radio, but I was unaware of the existence of uh, (laughs) smart adult toys, which led me on a Google search I now regret doing. Yeah, and I mean, one of the first things that happens now when people make a new a new consumer product is they think, hmm, how can we make this? How can we make the experience better for our customers? And unfortunately, the first thing that people think of is, hey, let's connect this thing to the internet. Yeah, and you know, do you really need an internet connected toaster or an internet connected adult toy? Well, there might be some. As I say, everything is a double edged sword. There actually are some pretty good reasons that people have given for why they would want that. <laughs> but again, we have to think about the risk that we're taking when we bring in new technologies and think about whenever when I, my my rule of thumb is whenever you're thinking about buying a new internet connected whatever is think about what could happen if someone had access Do you remember we used to say like don't you know your behavior should be governed by if you don't see it on the front page or if you're happy to see it on the front page of the new york times that's okay i think today what we have to think of is if some random person on the internet were able to connect to this thing what bad things could happen? And let that be your purchase guide for that product. And uh, the book is The Cyber Attack Survival Manual. We've been talking with uh, Nick Selby. Nick, thank you so much uh, for the great information. I appreciate you calling in today. Thank you, Ryan. Have a great day.